0: You're listening to Comedy Central. How many people celebrate New Year's resolutions here? You seem like a New Year's resolution guy. Yeah? That's the only thing I'm going to miss when the pandemic ends. Is like, like I'm, I'm enjoying that now New Year's resolutions are attainable things. Before we just used to say shit that would depress us after like a month because we couldn't do it. Do you know what I mean? But now because of the pandemic, all your resolutions have to be shit that you just can do. You can't go to the gym now. There's no like, I'm gonna go to the gym. You can't go to the gym. I mean, you can try, but you can't really, you never know, they'll stop you. And then you're like, ah, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like the pandemic shuts your shit down for you, which I'm gonna miss is what I'm saying. Now I make all my resolutions, things that I would, wouldn't do normally, like as a resolution, but are achievable now. So now I'm like, ah, I need to catch up on all those TV shows. That's my new year's resolution. Succession, I'm doing it, baby. And then when I'm done, I'm like, look at this, the year is still on track. Do you know what I mean? I'm just in that zone. I need to eat all those chips before they get stale. That's a resolution. And you know what? I'm on track, everything. I've just made all my resolutions about shit that I do in the house, you know? Make sure I use appliances a bit more, more microwave. You know, get it going, you know? Use the scale in the bathroom. You, you, you never think about whether your scale works or not. I'm, this year, my resolution is to see how high the numbers can go. Just, you know, like a car, you know, like sometimes you just rev the engine to get things going. I want to do that on the scale as well. get it to 250, come on. That's essentially a resolution. And I'm not failing yet. It's actually made me realize, this pandemic has made me realize that resolutions are all about perspective. You know, you think about it as things that, that are unattainable, but if you make it things that you were going to do anyways, you're only succeeding in life. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America, it's The Daily Show Ears Edition. Tonight, Boris Party too hard. Klepper confronts Matt Gates And Ariana DeBose. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show, I'm Trevor Noah. Let's jump straight into today's headlines. We kick things off with Donald Jumanji Trump, America's 45th best president. Last weekend, He was back on the rally circuit, kicking off his campaign to reclaim the Oval Office and the White House Disney Plus account. But Trump might want to slow his roll a little bit because it turns out he's not the only one making plans for his future. Former U.S. President Donald Trump, he is in hot water today with the New York Attorney General. Letitia James says her team has uncovered numerous instances of, quote, fraudulent or misleading practices related to the Trump organization's financial documents. The case also turning up the heat on Trump's children, who James says, quote, have been closely involved with the transactions in question. Investigators now taking legal action to compel Ivanka and Don Jr. to comply with subpoenas and appear for sworn testimony about the company's financial dealings. Investigators say in 2016, Trump claimed his triplex was worth about 327 million because it was over 30,000 square feet. In reality, the AG's office says it was 11,000 square feet. They say the Trump CFO, Alan Weisselberg, charged in a separate criminal case, admitted the value of Trump's apartment was overstated by, give or take, $200 million. No, 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 Donald, no. You can't exaggerate your apartment's value by $200 million. I mean, I'd get it if it was an NFT, but this is an apartment, my friend. I mean, at the same time, Donald Trump does not give a Let's be honest. This dude will brag about himself even if it gets him in trouble. I bet when a cop asks him if he knows how fast he was going. He's like, yeah, I do, 400 billion miles a second, the fastest anyone has ever gone. I went so fast, so fast. Do you wanna test it again? So fast. Ask me what I've been drinking, all of it. And look, I get on Trump for a lot of stuff, but I can't get mad at him for this because deep down, he's just a landlord. And this is what every landlord in New York does. They'll say an apartment has three bedrooms, And then you get there and two of the bedrooms are somehow in the kitchen, but it's still the best deal for your budget. So you sleep in the dishwasher. I mean, it is what it is. All right, but let's move on to the question everyone's been asking. What the hell happened to that package I ordered? Well, it turns out your asshole neighbor didn't swipe it off your front porch this time. It actually got snatched long before that.
1: If you ordered something from Amazon and didn't get it, it could be in this mess. This is the scene in Los Angeles as trains carrying crates of orders are being robbed with packages strewn around the tracks.
0: As freight trains slow down or come to a halt, the thieves leap on board with bolt cutters, open giant containers, and take whatever they want. This is what they leave behind, all these boxes, some empty, some not. Look, this box was full of COVID home testing kits, a precious product tough to buy at many pharmacies. This Amazon envelope wasn't even opened. The thieves just tossed it away. This track strewn with boxes stretches as far as you can see in both directions. This entire area was cleaned up in mid-December, which means that all of this came from train robberies in just the last month. God damn. Did you see that mess? It's like a Thomas the Tank Engine episode of Hoarders. This shit is crazy. And how could this happen in Joe Biden's America? The president loves trains, and now they're getting robbed all willy-nilly? That's not right, people. This is like if during the Clinton administration, everyone was robbing blowjobs. It's unacceptable. I mean, what if those packages contained like your grandmother's blood pressure medication? Depending on how you feel about your grandmother, that could be a disaster. And the worst part is that when they don't want the packages, they just leave them on the ground. I mean, they even ditched COVID tests, which is just dumb. Those tests are worth more than the actual train. And you know what this means, right? Yeah, knowing how picky these robbers are is gonna make Valentine's Day extra stressful because either your surprise gift doesn't show up and your girl is pissed off, or it does show up and she's still pissed off. Well, if this necklace was so great, Why didn't anyone steal it off a train, you cheap ass bitch? And no, I don't think these robberies should be used as an excuse to have more police in America. I know people are gonna say that. You don't need more police for this. All you need is to fill one random train car with angry bees. Problem solved. All right, finally, let's talk about a major new development in criminal justice reform. News anchor, drop a beat.
2: Jay-Z and Meek Mill teaming up to support a proposed New York state law that would block lyrics from being used during trials.
0: Both Jay-Z and Meek Mill, they signed a letter saying this tactic effectively denies rap using the status of art and in the process gives prosecutors a dangerous advantage in the courtroom. By presenting rap lyrics as rhymed confessions of illegal behavior, they are often able to obtain convictions even when other evidence is lacking.
2: The rappers are joined by other artists, including Fat Joe, Big Sean, Kelly Rowland, and Robin Thicke, and imploring lawmakers to sign the rap music on trial bill and turn it into law.
0: Yeah, that's right. When someone gets arrested, prosecutors dig up any rap lyrics they might have written, and then they present them like it's a confession, which is ridiculous, people. Rap is an art form, right? These songs are performances. The rappers aren't just reading out their journals. Just because you rap about killing someone doesn't mean you did it. It's just that a lot of words rhyme with kill. Chill, hill, windowsill, Uncle Phil. All of the words you need in a rap song. And you don't want worries about legal trouble to interfere with musical freedom, especially not rap music. Because throwing in the word allegedly after every rap lyric really screws with the flow. I bomb allegedly. People are saying I bomb atomically. And if we're being honest, it's not a coincidence that they only do this with rap music because this is just another way of targeting black people. I mean, half of country music songs are about the singer burning their ex's car because they cheated, but I've never seen any of them prosecuted for it. So I hope this law gets passed. I mean, the only downside is that criminals are gonna use it as a loophole to hide evidence. Every Wall Street board meeting is now gonna have an MC in the corner All my homies in the back, move your accounts to the Cayman Islands. Bing, 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 bing. They can't use that, right? Yeah, we got them Goldman Sachs. By the way, when I first heard that they they wanted to stop prosecutors from using rap lyrics in trials, I thought that they meant the prosecutors were the ones rapping. Grammar's a really interesting thing that shapes how you see things. Because I thought like the prosecutors were actually in court like, hi, my name is, what? My name is District Attorney Theodore Wozniak. But all right, enough of that. Let's move on to our top story, which is about (laughs) Boris Johnson, prime minister of the United Kingdom and the only kid to make it out of the village of the damned. Right now, he's embroiled in a huge scandal over secret COVID parties. So let's catch up on all the latest in our ongoing segment, keep calm and party on. (laughs) You may remember, the outrage across Britain a couple of months ago when Boris Johnson was accused of throwing a secret party in the middle of lockdown, against his own COVID rules, by the way. But the truth is there wasn't a secret COVID party. Turns out there were many secret COVID parties, and now Boris may have partied himself right out of a job. And the walls seem to be closing in on Boris Johnson. A new poll, in fact, for the Observer newspaper
1: shows 63%, nearly two of every three Britons, want Johnson out.
2: As many as 20 Conservative members of Parliament say they plan to submit letters of no confidence. 54 letters are required to trigger a no-confidence vote in Parliament. Prime Minister Johnson has faced calls to resign after reports that number 10 Downing Street hosted parties over the past two years. The events were held when the United Kingdom government imposed strict COVID restrictions
1: on gathering. I recognize the enormous sacrifice that people have made. Uh, I apologize for misjudgments that uh, may be made in number 10 by me uh, and anybody else, uh, but please can I ask him to wait uh, for the inquiry to conclude.
0: One misjudgment that really hurts the apology to Her Majesty the Queen over parties allegedly held in Downing Street the night before Her Majesty sat alone at the funeral of her husband. You know, this sucks for Queen Elizabeth. I haven't seen her that disappointed since she found out what Prince Andrew did on his vacations. Apparently, these are not the only photos, Andrew. And I can hardly blame her, you know? I mean, her husband had just died And here they were throwing parties without her. I mean, come on, this is her first chance in 70 years to catch some fresh dick and no invites? No, that shit is messed up. Oh, you don't think people move on? You need to grow up. But you can see why so many people have turned on Boris over his scandal, because While he was having parties, the people of Britain were dealing with severe lockdowns. And I'm not talking about American lockdowns, I'm talking about real lockdowns. Like, there were curfews, the government limited how many people you could see, people weren't even allowed to have anyone over for Christmas. Yeah, if Santa came down your chimney, you'd have to shoot him dead. But they don't have guns in the UK, so you just have to beat him to death. And look, I know Boris isn't the only political leader who's been caught partying against his own rules, but he might be the only one trying to pretend that he doesn't know what a party is. Prime
2: Minister Johnson maintains he believed it to be an official work event, not a party. Now an email leak showing 100 people were invited to socially distanced drinks in Downing Street
0: and to even bring their own booze. The idea that you walked into the garden, there's 40 people there, the tables are laid out with food and drink and there's alcohol yeah. being served in the middle of a lockdown, and you think that's a work event. That is just ludicrous, isn't it? You are just taking the mickey out of the British people no, by I, suggesting well,
1: I, I Nobody told me, and nobody, nobody said that uh, this was something that was against the rules, it was a breach of the, of the COVID rules, or we were doing something that wasn't a, a work event.
0: Yeah, no, nobody told me. I, I didn't know it was a party. I mean, how do you know what a party is unless somebody says it's a party? How could you not know? that that was a party. I mean, it's not a work event. They said, bring your own booze. That never happens for a regular work meeting. No one's ever like, we really need to figure out our fourth quarter projections, so grab some tequila because daddy's making margaritas. And also, am I the only person who finds it weird that the leader of the government is the one saying, nobody told me that this was against the rules. Nobody told me. Nobody told you. They're your rules. Your rules to deal with a global pandemic. This isn't your kids' birthdays. You gotta remember this shit. Now, Boris's own former top aide says that he did warn Boris that the party broke COVID rules and that Boris has been lying under oath to parliament about it. But maybe these parties are just emblematic of how Boris thinks COVID rules didn't apply to him. Like apparently, back when Boris had COVID, he refused to stay in isolation and it got so bad that his staff, and this is completely true, had to put chairs in the doorway to his office to block him from leaving, yeah. Honestly, I was shocked when I read this. Mostly because I didn't know it was that easy to stop British people from going places. Turns out if Africa just put a couple of chairs in front of England, we could have stopped colonialism. (laughs) So as of now, Boris is in big trouble, or as they say in England, trouble. And really, if you're a prime minister who's been breaking the lockdown rules that you imposed on everybody else, you have to resign or You can do this. New this morning, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has announced the end of all pandemic restrictions in the United Kingdom, saying that people will no longer be asked to work from home, masks no longer required in schools, the mandate to wear masks in public removed as well.
2: According to the Guardian, the swift change is seen as an attempt by Johnson to quell conservative anger over his lockdown-breaching parties at Downing Street.
1: Having looked at the data carefully, the Cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer
0: mandate the wearing of face masks anywhere. Oh, shit! Boris went from BYOB to DGAF. You can't break the rules if there are no rules. That's right, everybody, no masks. Everybody, no restrictions and no more haircuts, bitches. And yeah, you could argue that suddenly lifting restrictions is just a cheap and dangerous attempt to curry public favor at the cost of spreading a lethal virus. But on the other hand, restrictions are lifted, baby. So break out the liquor, Britain. It's time for a work event. <laughs> All right, when we come back, Jordan Klepper has a very polite conversation with Matt Gates, and it goes very well for everybody. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Show. It has now been a year since a patriotic group of heroes stormed the Capitol to save democracy by hanging Mike Pence. So to give the day the honor it deserves, we sent Jordan Klepper down to the Capitol for a January 6th edition of Jordan Klepper, Fingers the Pulse.
2: It's been just over a year since the attack on the U.S. Capitol. So, last week, I went back to Washington, D.C. But now, I'm ready for anything. This time, I'm prepared. Contact number, in case I get thrown in jail. Money belt, in case I need to bribe an oath keeper when they take over the city. Hope that doesn't go down, uh, I got Potbelly's money when I leave out of Union Station. But unlike last year, today there was a peace, a quiet, a calm that almost suggested perhaps our country is truly healing from the events of that day. And then we found this guy screaming at CNN's John King broadcasting from a balcony. you
0: motherfuckers, yo! yo fake news bullshit, yo! Bunch of garbage, John King! I'll try to get across to people in the world, man. I watch CNN, I watch... Fox News every day, Chris Tucker, Hannity. You watch Chris Puma. Tucker? I yeah. love that guy. I
2: watch all of you guys, you know, it's like. Money Talks, Yeah. Rush Hour. I wear the shirt that says F Biden. I say F- Joe Biden, I respect our president. It's important to have respect for the office of the president. Exactly, exactly. And at the same time, wear a shirt that says F- Biden. I mean, for me, yes. Do you understand the inherent contradiction in that?
0: Yes, I do, I do, I do, I do. I definitely do.
2: <laughs> when we drove by, I saw you screaming up at the second floor there at John King from CNN's right. and go f- himself.
0: See what you're saying, I mean, what I did there, that was not the president That was me, my personal opinion towards John King and the and fake news CNN. Yes. So fake news
2: CNN should go f*** itself. Yeah. Respectfully.
0: Respectfully. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Mm-hmm. Now, do I want my kids to see me saying that? No, of course not. But I mean, we
2: all have our days. You You did have your. Ki- I, I saw your kid in the car. Correct. So I have
0: four more kids in the car. Oh.
2: So yeah, they,
0: but they don't, they don't understand. They're not of age to understand.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, th- so they did see, they just don't understand.
0: Correct. Okay. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, our nation's leaders were respectfully divided on how to best remember the day. On the one hand, you had the Democrats condemning the attacks as only they know how.
1: We're privileged to have a contribution from one of the great creative talents of our time, Lynn manuel Miranda
2: and on the other hand there were people like representative matt gates and marjorie taylor green who were unapologetic about what happened and were even planning an event of their own
0: we're proud of the work that we yes. did on january 6 to That's make right. legitimate arguments about election integrity so we're going to make those arguments today Absolutely. in a press conference at 2:15, and we're actually going to go walk the grounds that that patriotic americans walked from the white house to the capitol
2: ah a solemn walk in front of the media to reenact the events of January 6th. Plenty of time for me to ask some questions as they patriotically saunter down, oh, shit, they're just getting into their cars. Hey, Matt Gates, if you're gonna uh, reenact the events of January 6th, who is going to take a shit in the rotunda? And also, who's gonna, who's gonna make a... the gallows? Isn't this a little bit childish, Matt, or is that what attracts you to this? Oh, well, I'll catch him at one of the other sedition reenactments. Of course, there were some who witnessed the events firsthand who have a different attitude towards the rioters. When it comes to insurrections, fuck them, I don't give a fuck. Can I quote you on that? Yeah. Representative Ruben Gallego was inside with fellow congressmen of both parties, just yards away from the violence.
0: Look, I was scared for the country. I was scared for my colleagues. Um, I was pissed off. The thing I remember the most is seeing the, the fear in the eyes of some very young
2: staffers. I was here that day, it was, Chaotic. I got called an asshole just over there. Was it by a member of Congress or? The guy had a pitchfork. Do you <laughs> do you know the pitchfork guy? Is he a member of Congress or is he uh, a? He might be. Probably from the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, the guy I was talking to with a pitchfork. <laughs> if he's not in Congress, he's definitely running in the midterms. He's a front runner, yeah. Later, outside the halls of power, Democrats gathered for a vigil, hoping the country would never have to go through a horrible day like that again. But down the road, there was another vigil. We're outside of jail right now. Going to vigil number two. Where they chose to look on the bright side of the potential treason. What would you call the events of January 6th? A wonderful, glorious event. People were excited that day. January 6th was the greatest day of my entire life. Okay. And you're you're obviously not a police officer. There was no insurrection that day. If, If there was any intention, on our part, we would have been actually freaking armed. If there was intention, people would come with a, We would have been. With zip ties or bear spray or a pitchfork. Felt fence. <laughs> what about the people who did come with zip ties, bear spray, and pitchforks? Well, they, those weren't arms. Those were just minimal defensive measures. Who is the the candlelight vigil for? The, the, all, the, all of the patriots. All of the 140 patriots, the uh, the yeah. police officers who were injured that day. Yeah. So it's for the police officers? No, it's not for that. Well, this is for the, the patriots that are in prison. The people arrested for injuring the, the police officers that day. There was some people standing up to say, you know, stop the steal. We're here uh, at the site of where the J- January 6th protesters are being detained. This is a vigil for them. Their rights have been taken away. So criminal justice is obviously a big issue for you. I'm interested in uh, protecting everyone's rights. Are, are you going to Rikers Island to protest the, the 15 people who died last year? Uh, I, I, I am not. Even a year later, selective victimization was still trending hot. At the end of the day, it might have felt that nothing has really changed, that we were locked in an endless loop, talking about the same things with the same people. I felt like that, apparently for a good reason. Oh. I saw you in Hershey, that's right. How yeah. oh, have you been? Well, oh, hanging in there, man. How have you been? <laughs> I've, I've uh, witnessed uh, a near downfall of democracy. It's been, it's been a busy it's been a busy year or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's been a little hectic. A hectic year indeed.
0: Thank you so much for that, Jordan. And if you want to see even more from Jordan's trip, check out the link below for additional scenes available only on the web. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to the star of the critically acclaimed remake of West Side Story, Ariana DeBose. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is award-winning actor, singer, and dancer, Ariana DeBose. She's here to talk about starring as Anita in West Side Story. Ariana yes. DeBose, welcome to the Data Show. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I don't think I was supposed to put my hand no, up. No, we're yes. talking. We're talking. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, but welcome to. It's really good to have you here, especially now. Like, you know, some people, if they're Broadway aficionados, have seen you. You know, you, you've, you've been just, I think you've been grinding at this thing in Broadway for 10 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah where you've done everything, every different type of production. You're a consummate performer, singer, dancer, actress, everything all in one, but it feels like this is your moment. Like it, it, it you know where the overnight success comes together after 10 years? <laughs> yeah. It yeah. feels like that's that moment. Does it feel the yeah. same way for you?
1: Yeah, uh, I hesitate to say it, but yes. Um...
0: Why do you hesitate?
1: I'm really enjoying it. Like, I'm having fun. I don't want it, want it to go away. You know, moments, they're moments. They're like, they're they're fleeting, ephemeral, fleeting. No, 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 not at all. But like, like but COVID you, is a
0: moment, co- and look how long it's going for.
1: <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. Yes. So um, I'm just, um, whatever it is, however anyone interprets it, I'm just enjoying whatever this is while it lasts. Because it's been really fun. I mean, it's not every day you get to make a movie with Steven Spielberg. and. And what you're asked to execute is actually something right. that you do. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to do other kinds of homework, but the bones of what this job is, I got that. I this love is that. great.
0: I love that. And yeah. it, I mean it you know, it's it's also unique to be in a position where you're having fun the audience is having fun watching you have fun, mm. and then the critics are having fun as well. Like, that's the perfect combination that's of not... what you'd like in arts, you know? Because mm-hmm. uh, Screen Actors Guild nomination, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Golden Globe winner, congratulations. Thank you. Right? Thank you very much. Um, like, it, it just feels like you, you're in this world. Uh, NAACP Award as well, I should mention. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's also another nomination. I
1: was, I was really honored by, by... I'm honored by it all. I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunities to be seen, especially for artists of color. Right. Like it feels like we're all starting to have a different kind of moment right mm-hmm. now. And most of our work is not only being seen, but considered and valued in different ways. And so that's really the heart of why I'm so excited.
0: I think it's an honor for anyone who gets to talk to you because of what you're doing and all of the mediums you're doing it in. Like, Triple Threat gets thrown around a lot. You know, people are like, oh, you're Triple, you're a singer, you're a dancer. But you really are that, you know? SNL was one of the best examples. Congrats, by the way. Well, oh
1: thank you. I, thank you. I had a lot of fun on that show. You um, look
0: like you did. You did so well that, like, I've seen people crush it on SNL. I have seen very few people crush it to the point where people watching are like, where's her SNL?
1: Where's her show? (laughs) Now that would be fun. No, people were saying that. People were like, when is Ariana doing her own thing? Well, that's cool. I'm I'm actually not not so shy about the fact that I really want to bring the, like, variety show back. Like, I really want to do it. So if anybody wants to hit me up on that, cool, cool. (laughs) Um,
0: It seems like to me, you are soon becoming... The puzzle piece that everyone is going to have to figure out how to fit around.
1: <laughs> that's cool. I've never been. I've never had that. No, I don't and, feel like I, I've ever had that. I so genuinely
0: nice. feel like that is what you are, you are very quickly becoming. I mean, West Side Story is it, it, few films get remade with as much pressure as this one has had. Yeah. You are playing a role that is arguably one of the most important roles in not just film history, but then, like, in, in the history of so many Latina actresses yeah. where they go, like, this was this was it, you know? Yeah. This was the Rita Marino moment that changed film for a lot of people. Yeah. It had an influence in your life.
1: Yes, it did. I mean, I saw it when I was, gosh, I guess, I felt like, six or seven, you know? And I didn't understand who she was, but I understood she sort of looked like me, and I wanted to dance just like her. And then in... Not until my adulthood did I really understand the full spectrum of of what West Side Story did for her mm-hmm. what what, and what she came to mean to our community. But then mm. also the struggles that she faced after winning an Oscar, you know, it's like she became the first Latina to win an Oscar and then all of a sudden there was no work. Right. So she had to find other ways to expand her career. And I... As it makes me very sad that that was her experience, but also when you look at her breadth of work, she showed you that Latinas are not, we don't just do this, we do this. Mm. And that's really cool. I mean, I think specifically related to West Side Story, my being Afro-Latina, that makes me especially proud of what I've been able to accomplish mm-hmm. because we really are not represented on screen. And I don't think that Any film is a perfect film, but I do think the fact that we, that my inclusion in this film, works, we're the beginnings of getting it right. I like that. And if Steven can do it, one of the greatest directors of all time, because he is, um, then I think everybody else can.
0: He's one of the greatest directors of all time, but you said said no to him when he asked you to read lines (laughs) in the audition. I
1: did, but that was simply because Uh, I had found out about this audition very, very last minute. I was on Broadway at the time, Uh I was playing Donna Summer, which was a very challenging role for me and leading a company takes a lot out of you. And I don't make a habit of going into a room with anyone in it and being unprepared, do you? No, no, but but
0: if I like, that's that's the difference. If I walked into a room and Steven Spielberg was in the room, (laughs) let's say I walked into the elevator in this building, and then it was Steven Spielberg, and then he said, "Trevor, I need you to read these lines." I just start reading the lines. You start reading them. I wouldn't be like, "No, Steven Spielberg, I haven't prepared." I would just read. You said you said no.
1: I said no because I wanted. I was like, "This is, I'm not prepared to show you a viable interpretation of this character, and I would rather do that than I'd rather give you something that's usable." Then give you something that's like, oh my God, thank you so much for coming in and next. Like, I want if I was gonna do it, it already took a lot of guts for me to walk into the room because I didn't actually believe that I'd ever be considered for the job, mm-hmm. let alone get the job. Um, then I was gonna do it and do
0: it well. In a way, I feel like you saying no to doing it incorrectly and wanting to do it your way in the best way possible is part of your character. Like, that's, that's who Anita sort of is, <laughs> is in West Side is, Story.
1: It is. That is who she is at her heart. And I think a lot of my characters, like, there are different bits of me within them, mm-hmm. and that is the part of me that is Anita. So,
0: Before I let you go, I'd love to talk about <laughs> one of the most, uh, just, like, amazing moments in, in, in film, and, and that is when a character who has created a moment in history comes back to the film... Obviously, I'm speaking about Rita yeah. Moreno, who comes back yeah. in West Side Story, playing a different role, but comes back as an executive producer. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a scene with her. I wonder if that, if that was a lot of pressure for you. Was there any moment that you shared with her where you were like, okay, this is, this is my thing that I've sort of inherited from her and I have the <laughs> opportunity to turn it into what I want?
1: I mean, we, we spoke briefly at the beginning of the process, but she was very supportive, thank God. <laughs> She made me feel very comfortable and just encouraged me to. Bring everything that made me unique to the character oh, and nice. just let me gave, gave me permission in her own energetic way to fly. And now the scene you're talking about is, it's deep, heavy subject matter. And so I sort of shifted into just focusing on who the characters were and playing the truth of the characters. Cause if I'd actually thought about all right, now you're going to yell at Rita Moreno. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody, if it hadn't been me, I don't think anybody would have been comfortable right, with doing that.
0: Right. So. Well, you know what? You did it. You, you, you looked more than comfortable. I mean, you, you, you're just sailing. And uh, congratulations on the award, congratulations mm. on the nominations and everything that you're going to achieve, ma'am. Um, thank you for joining me thank on the show. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: West Side Story is in theaters right now. You definitely want to go and watch it. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back <laughs> after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, America is facing its worst blood shortage in more than a decade, largely in part due to the drop in donations since the start of the pandemic. But giving blood is easy, and just one blood donation can save up to three lives. So if you'd like to help end this blood crisis, you can sign up online with the American Red Cross. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS, or find a donation site near you through America's blood centers at the link below. Until tomorrow, Stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're throwing a work party that's against COVID regulations, do the safe thing and kill everyone who attended. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.